welcome, welcome, welcome. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast, hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I am your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin, and I got my guy with me, of the man who just like pumps out content no matter what, Cameron Fields. Cam, what's going on, bro? Hey, what's up, Kai? Glad to hear from you, man. Yo, so I know I said I was switching back to 2K14 on the last pod, but oh, I c- no. I couldn't do it. I'm still rocking with Black Ops 1. Because, oh, okay, okay, all right. I want to master five. I want to get to round 30 on five before yep. like I kind of switch back over. I got close the other night. It was like two in the morning. Like, you know, quarantine life. Our sleeping hey. schedule's all messed up. So hey, for real. I got to round 22. I was so close. But what really messed me up was the Pentagon yeah. thief. He took away my winter's howl, and I couldn't get it oh, back from the man. box. Couldn't get it back from the box. You got to get that pack of punch. punch. You got, I was like, you got to get the pack of punch. Dude, I had a pack of punch. It wasn't even a winter's howl at that point. It was a winter's fury. It was, oh, my goodness gracious. I couldn't get it back. And that was – got cornered. I didn't have my witch's fury to help me out, mess me up so badly. And that was the end of my uh, five conquests, round 22. Well, guys, it's trade season, apparently. Apparently, everybody here in quarantine is just kind of coming up with these ridiculous trade options. And when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers, they are a team. They're an easy target. You, they have, you have the notion out there that Simmons and Embiid don't fit. And then you have the awkward pieces surrounding uh, Embiid and Simmons. So naturally, they are a easy target to kind of go after in terms of trade suggestions. So we're going to kind of kind of dive into a couple of these. One actually just got released before we even um, hopped on this podcast earlier, Cameron. And there was one. Yeah. This one has the 76 or sending Joel Embiid to the Brooklyn Nets for Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, a 2020 first round pick, a 2021 second round pick, a 2022 first round pick, top three protected. So uh, Bleacher Report's reasoning, uh, this is a report coming from ESPN's Tim Bonteps that they linked it in there. Bonteps says, league execs think that if the Sixers do explore trade, Embiid is more likely to be moved, health being the determining factor in building around Simmons. It makes a lot of sense, but... I'm telling you right now, the issue with this team is not Embiid and Simmons. It's pieces surrounding them. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Kai. I mean, I don't think that um, – and then as, as J.J. Redick had mentioned on the one podcast he was on, I forget the name of it, um, but uh, what was the name of that podcast? I think that's Sixers Beat. Yeah. That's hosted yeah. by the uh, – Yeah, that one. He, he mentioned that – he mentioned on the podcast how, like, hey, they're not the problem, and you had the pieces surrounding them because – They've been successful together, um, you know, their first couple seasons. And now this season where they have, you know, not as good fit, they're not, they're still successful, but not as, as successful as compared to previous years. So it's like, hey, Al Horford doesn't necessarily fit well with Joel Embiid. Josh Richardson is a better fit than Al Horford is than with Joel Embiid with Ben Simmons, but he still isn't like the best fit. I think that Embiid and Simmons can play together. But I also think that um, their minutes are going to have to be staggered a little bit more often. So say like, hey, you get a lineup where Joel and B can just absolutely eat and then Ben Simmons is on the bench or something like that. You have like a more uh, traditional size point guard like a Dinwiddie on the floor. And then you have Simmons where it's a little bit more of a faster lineup. Maybe you have, uh, you know, some more athletic wing like Levert 
Um, and then a mobile big man who can catch lobs like Jared Allen, someone like that to run with Simmons, have a faster lineup. So it's like, hey, I see both sides. You know, you, ha- you can potentially have staggered minutes. But I think, as you mentioned, they need to get better complementary pieces for both players on the team. Yeah, think about this. In 2017-18, or the 2017-18 season, Embiid and Simmons had an offensive rating of 113.3. That number was then 112.8 in 2018-19. Those are very good numbers. That number has dropped to 104.7 this year. Why? Because you took away J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler and replaced them with Josh Richardson and Al Horford. It's kind of not that hard to figure out. But yet people want to continue to come after this whole Simmons and Embiid thing because they're both play different styles. You know, Simmons, as you yeah. mentioned before, Cam, Simmons like to get likes a push. He likes to grab the ball, push, and run on a fast break as fast as he can. And then you have Joel, who is a guy who is really the elite post player in, uh, in the league. I mean, you give him a post touch, and he's either getting fouled or he's getting a bucket. Like or half-court base, yeah. Yeah, that too. You, you, like, you can't stop Joel uh, in the post. So a lot of people always try to break it up. So in this trade suggestion – they are catering more towards Simmons's fast break, breakneck style of play and putting athletes like Dinwiddie, Levert, keeping Tobias Harris there around Simmons with uh, Richardson. So I'm not – like, we all know why Brooklyn would make that deal because Brooklyn would be able to have a big three and boast one with Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, and uh, Kyrie Irving. But on the Sixers side of things, I- I'm not yeah. I'm not trading Kyrie, yeah. either of those guys. Ben or Joel, you don't do that right now. You just don't. They haven't – they still need time to grow. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think, though, you know, with them, there are moments where it's like, okay, they probably should be on the floor together. So I think, like, you know, staggering those minutes more and building lineups where both of them can just dominate can be beneficial. And, like, we've seen this with Ben Simmons, too, especially in last year's playoffs, particularly um, in the Brooklyn series, where Ben um, – he would have like his own lineup basically. And I, yeah, he had that one good game in one of the series where he scored like 30 points or something like that. Um, from what I remember, it was a very high, high, a very good game for him. One of the best games he's ever had. And uh, he just, he just dominated because he was able to play with that fast pace. So if they can find ways to make lineups um, that cater to both of their strengths while still not trading them, then I think that's the way to go. I mean, if they had a lineup, you know, focus on Ben and Joel, but kind of build them like the Milwaukee Bucks in a way. Because, you know, we talk about Milwaukee all the time. We had, they have that centerpiece in Giannis Antetokounmpo, but then they surrounded him with shooters like Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez and Wesley Matthews and Eric Bledsoe, uh, Kyle Korver off the bench, Dante DiVincenzo off the bench. So it's like Milwaukee really catered to their stars. Meanwhile, with Philly, they catered to Simmons and Embiid and they had something there. But then they let Reddick go in free agency. They lose Jimmy. They, uh, they traded Covington to get Jimmy. So it was like they didn't have uh, – they don't have it at this moment, the right pieces surrounding them. They tried to go big. And, again, who knows? Like, if, or if and when the playoffs begin, that could work. I think it will. With Al and Joel, game's going to slow down. You get those guys down there. And then you have, you know – the other guys in that lineup who are long, big, and, and lanky. 
And that, and JJ even mentioned it on that podcast too that you that you right. mentioned before, Cam. He mentioned the fact that in his exit interview, it wasn't like they were like JJ, we don't want you here. But JJ, you know, he could figure it out. They want to go big. They try to yeah. go big, and it's clearly it's it's affecting Ben and Joel. It's not it's not good. Yeah, not good at all. I mean, you know, you have Ben where it's like they still may need even if they go smaller, they still may need to have him at you know off ball different off ball sets because until he can um shoot more it's going to be a little bit of a detriment to have him on the ball so much you know when you have Ben Simmons in the half court yeah he can make plays but once he gets to a team like Boston where they create that wall where they sink in the paint shrink the floor that's going to be a hindrance for him because he thrives in the paint and he doesn't have the shooting around him this season where he could kick out to someone and they can make it at an effective clip. So, you know, they're going to have to uh, improve the the surrounding pieces. Yeah. That's always a big thing. And, and I mean, and I understand why everybody's trying to break up Ben and Joe because it's easier to kind of cater to one star rather than two, but it's better to have two stars rather than one. And both of these guys can take over a game at any moment. We, we've seen it with Joel. We've seen it with, mm-hmm. with Ben. Yep. We, we, we've People seen it. Try and keep them if you can. Yeah, you try to keep both. Like, like, like you, you should not be out here like trying to trying to break them up. You just shouldn't do it. No. So again, I understand it, but it's like it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when you consider Joel Embiid is, in my opinion, the best center in, in the NBA. Obviously, I get the. Um, the argument for Jokic, it's absolutely uh, justifiable. Jokic is a beast. But I just would take Embiid because of his play on both ends of the floor. Now, there was another hypothetical trade involving these two. This time, the other star, Bleacher Report, had Philadelphia sending Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, and Mike Scott to the Boston Celtics for Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Romeo Langford, and a 2020 first-round pick via the Memphis Grizzlies top six protected. So, Cam, in, in that first one, they were catering to Ben's fast break, breakneck uh, yeah. style. And this one, they're catering to Joel in the post surrounding him with right. capable shooters. Jalen Brown shooting over 38%. Gordon Hayward shooting close to 40% from deep. So I don't know how I really feel about this one because this one will probably make a little more sense in that first one. But, I mean, it's still not the best deal. You still just do not consider trading either of those guys. I think, yeah. I- I mean, I think Boston would be like, no. I mean, now if it was just Hayward, Hayward, and then maybe say like, okay, we'll give you like Simi Ojale or somebody like that, then maybe they say yes, because it's like, hey, you get Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Phil Walker all on the same team. Like, I mean, that that's like a contender. That that that's a, That might be better than Milwaukee if you have that team right there and uh, I mean yeah for real yeah because you have Ben Simmons and Jason Tatum alone is a question uh usually just on the perimeter then you have Jalen Brown Jalen Brown's coming into his own so I think that you know with Philly Gordon Hayward Jalen Brown those are two very good wings and they would fit well Joel Embiid but again, I, I, as you mentioned, you know, they got to try and keep those two stars together. Like you don't just split up. Like we've seen what happens when you split up the two stars. 
or when two stars just split up like Shaq and Penny Hardaway like that. I mean, the magic have never really, so close. I mean, they, they, uh, I mean, they were good obviously with Dwight Howard, but besides that, they haven't really been good. Um, after the Shaq Penny Hardaway thing, uh, after, you know, Shaq and Kobe, uh, rest in peace, Kobe broke up. Then that was, they, the Lakers had some down years after that. So it's like, I got a question for you though. But like, just just a quick side note. I don't want to get too deep into it, but I've always like had this thing about the Magic. Who is who's a better player in Magic history? Just think about what they did for the Magic period. What they uh, did. Okay. So Dwight or Shaq? I think you got to go with Shaq. I mean, uh, yeah, both went to the finals with the team, you know, at least once. But Shaq, I don't know. I mean, Shaq was putting up the better numbers. Dwight also though was a perennial Defensive Player of the Year. Wow, the magic. Uh, and that's tough because Dwight was a top five. I mean, Dwight was like a top five guy. That's tough. Now see, Shaq was also. I always go with Dwight. Level. You could really go. You could make an argument for Dwight. Now see, but I'm gonna me, go with Shaq. Like when you consider like best player in franchise history, I don't consider like um like their total body of work. I just consider like what you've done for that specific team. For that franchise, yeah, for that right. franchise. So, like, I kind of looked at it, and, like, Dwight's, like, Orlando's franchise leader in points, rebounds, blocks, yeah, the yeah. defensive player years, did the finals appearance. And I've always said, oh, nine finals. Orlando lost in five, but they probably should have won, like, two or three of those games. They and then Orlando got swept with Shaq. They got swept. Yeah. The Rockets, so. Yeah. I mean, Hakeem Olajuwon uh, destroyed Shaq. Bought that Boston trade with Simmons, uh, Walker, Tatum, Brown, Man, man, that team would be so good. I'm not going to lie with you. They would. On the Philadelphia side of things, so, like, let's just say, you know, it's still Hayward and Brown. If they were to go to Philly, it's – and who's playing point guard? Then at point guard, you that's have – That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. Exactly. At that point, you'd have to rely on Shake Milton, who Milton was actually playing at a terrific level, like, before the suspension. Like, Shake Milton was on a, a totally different level. He was great. He but can hoop, Shake, but Shake Milton's also not Ben Simmons. The the point guard situation, that's what I was thinking about. It's like, yeah, point guard is the deepest position in the league, but it's also the one where it has the most tiers. You go against, say you're Philly, right? You go against someone like Boston four times a year. You're going up against Kimba four times a year. Kimba's a top 10 level point guard. So, I mean, it's not like you're going to be playing someone like you're not worried about Orlando in the playoffs, okay? Like, you, you go against Markel Fultz, he's not a top-tier point guard. But when you get to those deeper levels, those deeper – the deep round of the playoffs, you're going to be going up against the best point guards, best players in the game. So then you need another good point guard on your side to even that out. You can't have, like, some average player. Because then you have Brooklyn, too, with Kyrie, and you're playing them four yeah. times a year, too. Now, granted, Kyrie has been hurt literally every single year since high school. Unfortunate. But, I mean, at, at that point, it's like, if, if, you're, if you're Philly, I, I really just don't even consider moving either of those guys. Especially, I think so highly of Ben Simmons, man. I really do. I think so highly yeah. of Simmons. I think he can be, like, one of the top ten players in the league if he can just get that jump shot. And speaking of that jump shot, uh, a report today by ESPN's Jackie McMullen, A, she reported that Simmons is healthy. So if and when 
the season does resume, the Sixers are going to have a fully healthy squad for whenever that happens. Uh, and then they also have um, a guy who could potentially come back and actually shoot some jump shots. That's got to be yeah. something good. Yeah, I mean, in that piece, Jack McMullen really did a great job of analyzing and not only just going through Simmons, but talking to people around him, like Brett Brown, talking to his uh, brother, Sean, talking to his friends like Taj Malone, who has been in the um, Call of Duty tournaments with him as well. So it's like she got a very good perspective from everyone about how he's been working on this, and it's going to take some time for him to really – improve it to refine it as he he mentioned he's like hey i'm i can shoot you know hook shots from the elbow like that's something i'm used to doing the three-pointer that's not something that is second nature to him so i i really like how she emphasized how it's going to take some time and it's going to be on his time you know it's not going to be on anyone else's time i thought the piece was headlined perfectly how it's not you know a public experiment but I think when that does happen, as you mentioned, he goes from being a top 20 player to a top 10 player if he can have that reliable jump shot and if he has the willingness to shoot it as well. Right. Like, that's always a big thing. If you have Simmons with a jump shot, my God, he's terrific because he does so – he does everything else at an elite level. He's an elite-level yeah. defender. He's an elite rebounder. He's right. that type of talent who can grab a rebound and jolt the other way and lead a fast break. And he can either finish it or drop off to a teammate or get fouled. He's improved at the free throw line. He's made little incremental improvements. of finally getting to the line and, and actually shooting it more, uh, shooting it at a higher percentage. It's always a big thing. Um, that's always a big thing really surrounding this Sixers team. It will Ben Simmons. It's at a point where, again, that's where kind of the Simmons and Embiid, the notion that they don't fit comes into play because he won't shoot. And all the Sixers need him to do is take two jumpers a game. Yeah. Like take like take one, really three, take one three, take one mid-range. Like the team isn't asking him to become Steph Curry. All they're asking him to do is take some type of jump shot outside of the paint. But as you mentioned, Cam, it's not a public experiment. Jackie McMullen uh, mentioned it in her piece as well. It is definitely going to come from within. Brett Brown has said that all season. It's not going to be on our time. It's going to be on his time. We need to kind of pull back the reins a little bit and let him do it on his own. And that's something a lot of people really don't get is you got to have patience. Yeah. In this okay. Yeah. I think the biggest example I can really think of is Jason Kidd. Just because yeah. like, like he came into the league and he was called Ace Kidd because he had no J. <laughs> but he worked on that. And correct me if I'm wrong, Cam. But I think Jason Kidd is like in one of the top three point shooters in the history of the game now. Like well, he well, he's up he's up there. Yeah, I mean, when when Dallas won that title in 2011, uh, he was one of the key players on that team. Not just because of his passing ability, one of the best point guards ever, but his jump shot really showed uh, later in his career. So I mean, there's still hope. There's still time for Ben Simmons to do it. He's only 23 years old. I mean, he's, oh, this is only his third year in the league. And as you mentioned, he does everything else very well at a top-tier level. Passing, defense, driving, rebounding, all of that. And two-time All-Star, it's going to come for him eventually. And when it does, uh, yeah, he'll be uh, one of the best players in the game, you know, undoubtedly. All right. So I do have a question for you, though. This is a new one. 
um, because, I mean, we pretty much are in agreement on Ben Simmons. He's absolutely terrific. But which backcourt cam would you rather have, okay? Jason Kidd and Vince Carter or Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton? I mean, you got to go with the one that won champion, a championship, right? I mean, you got to go with Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton. I mean, yeah, now Jason Kidd and Vince Carter, I would say on an all-time level, they're more talented. You know, they're, you know, more – they're just better on an all-time level in terms of individual skill level. But Chauncey, and Billups, won a ch- Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton won a championship together. So, I mean, you know. That, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I saw a lot of people – Picking yeah. kid, picking kid and Carter, but I can't do it. Um, there is one thing I actually thought about though, Ken. The New Jersey Nets in 2004, and that's when they had Jason Kidd and Kerry Kittles. They did push that. And Richard Pist- Jefferson, yeah. And RJ, they did push that Piston team to seven games. Now imagine if, and they were all three games to two. Imagine if that was Carter there instead of Kittles with Jefferson and Kenyon Martin. I mean, yeah, I, I could see them. I could see them winning that series. But it's like also, too, Vince Carter, At while he's one of the best players to never win a ring, there's, there's reasons why he hasn't. I mean, you know, he, he's never, he was never really more than just a scorer, to be honest. Like he was, you know, athletic, you know, very athletic wing. He could score. He could shoot. Um, but – I mean, what, what more else did he, did he do besides that? I mean, you know, when I you go had- back to 2005 with that, when New Jersey was in the second round against Miami. And I remember they took a one Oh lead. They, they took game one from the heat down in Miami and the heat then won four straight. And I remember Dwayne Wade just absolutely locking up Vince Carter in terms of not really allowing him to score, but then Wade torched him on the other end. So I really, yeah. always, I really always think that that was the difference between Carter and a guy like Wade and the other elite shooting guards in the game was that kind of what you just mentioned, Cam. Like, he really didn't do anything else other than score. Like, he was a great offensive player and kind of like a mediocre defender. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean obviously a great player, like one of the best players ever. But best dunker ever, um, you know, won the dunk contest and everything, but – I mean, there's there's reasons why everyone why people go ringless. Unfortunately, I mean, there's and it's not it's not just um just him too. I mean, there's outside reasons. I mean, you look at teams in during that era where he was really you know balling out. Pistons are good. The Spurs are good. Um, there's a lot of good teams in that in that space. You know, you have um two. The Cavs were coming up for a little bit um, during that era. So it's like. Hey, there's always going to be other teams that are, you know, balling out and doing well. It just that's just his legacy. Him, like, do you think he makes a Hall of Fame? I'll say. Well, no, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, back up. Uh, he was on the Dallas Mavericks title team, though, right? No, no, no. no. After that, after that, after they won. Yeah, he joined there in like 2013. I want to say it was like two years after. He did. Yeah, it was like. He was with Orlando in 2010-11. He played for the Magic, and then he got traded to the Suns, and then he finished up that year with Phoenix. And then I think he signed with Dallas, like, the year after they won the title. Oh, no. Yeah. It was the season. It was the season after. He was 
on Phoenix and Orlando during the 2010-2011 um, season. Yeah. Yep. So there was so there was that, and then and then he went to Memphis, which I always thought was such a weird fit. Like, why are you in Memphis? Yeah. And yeah. then he and then he went to Sacramento, where that was another one where I was like, why are you in Sacramento? And then you know, obviously he finished then up Atlanta. in Atlanta. Yeah. Um. So it's such a weird career. Like, I'm going to be completely honest. Now, a lot of people always try to like you know compare them, Vince Carter or Tracy McGrady. Oh, T Mac. Thank you. Thank T-Mac. you. Nah, T Mac, he 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 felt like I, I unfortunately the injuries, like injuries kind of messed up the the prime his prime. Uh I thought that those Rockets team and then too with Yao Ming, I mean Yao Ming, he he was he got a lot of injuries, but I thought those Rockets teams, they could have won. Um I feel like they should have. I mean, if yeah. we're gonna be completely honest with you, like the Rockets have those two titles in ninety four and ninety five, but they should have like three or four by now yeah because like i I feel like they should have won at least one during the mcgrady and yao era but they could never get out of round one and then they were so close in 2018 they were so close oh yeah like real close i mean if chris paul doesn't get injured and you know after they take the 3-2 lead i'm telling you right now rockets would have beaten that Cavs team in 2018 and yeah, I yeah, the Cavs are going to lose. Yeah, regard, yeah, regardless of the team. I feel like it would have been closer. Like maybe Cleveland could have stolen a game or, or two or something like that, and then not get swept. But Houston would have beaten them. So it's like it just—it really feels like they, that the Rockets should have like three or four titles and franchise history rather than just the two that they have. It's crazy to me. There was a point guard thing, Cam. There was this point guard thing, and it was like, who would you rather have, Steve Nash in his prime? Or MVP Derrick Rose? It depends. I mean, obviously, you don't get MVP Derrick Rose for long because, you know, of all the injuries. But if we're talking about just from a longevity standpoint, yeah, I'd rather have Steve Nash in his prime. But also, too, those Suns teams could never get over the hump. Yeah, they were another one. Yeah. They were another team I felt like should have won a title at least one with Nash and Stoudemire. You know, uh, I mean, the, the thing is, Stoudemire was never going to be the number one. It was never going to be a number one to me, even even if with no injuries. Mm, yeah, you never no, looked at Amari Stoudemire as kind like, of the guy. He was, yeah, nah. Like, uh, he, I mean, obviously, number two guy. The Suns, they never, they never had it to me. They never had that that it factor where it was like, okay, yeah, they're right. they're, they're the team. Right, I agree with that. Now, Bleacher Report also did rank Allen Iverson his 2001 MVP year as the worst MVP year of the last 20 years. Wow. The, they ranked Steph Curry's 2015-16 year as kind of the best. Understandable. I mean, he went – he was an un, he was a unanimous – That was an MVP. insane year. For yeah, him. It was, he was a unanimous winner. It was crazy. But, yeah, Allen Iverson's 2001 MVP award season was ranked as the worst MVP season since 2000. Wow. Man. That's see to be honest though, and, and Shaq has talked about this. Shaq should have won those one of one won one of those MVPs when Steve Nash won back to back. I think so, absolutely. Like, come on, man. Absolutely. Steve Nash won in two straight MVPs. Come on. All right. I'm gonna read this off real quick. This is back about Iverson. Um okay, Bleacher Report said. 
His sheer physical endurance was remarkable. It will never be anything short of spectacular that a little guy thrived in a game for which size always matters. But efficiency is a major problem here, and it was always difficult to escape the thought that these uh, Philly teams could have been more balanced and successful if Iverson weren't completely commandeering the offense on every possession. People always, like, harp on Iverson's efficiency when he's, like, like he, the, the team was bad. Like, the team or the – we're talking about, what, Eric Snow around him, right? Okay. Yep. Derek, Derek Coleman, right? There was, no, no, no. Not Derek like, Coleman. He wasn't there no, yet. Oh, no, he wasn't there yet? Oh, okay. No, um, but he was there eventually. Um, the Kim Bay, like, these pieces are not – I mean – they're good pieces, but he had no number two at all. All right, so like, this is no the certified number two. This is the 2001 Sixers. You have Iverson, Aaron McKee, Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, yeah, Aaron McKee, yeah. Dikembe Mutombo, Eric Snow, Jumaine Jones, like, uh, Matt Geiger, Todd McCullough, uh, Kevin Ollie, <laughs> Raja Bell. <laughs> Like, it's either the 01 Sixers or the 07 Cavs for the worst team to go to the finals. It's oh one of those. God. It's one of those. Now, Iverson's 01 stats. Uh, he led the league in scoring with 31.1 points per game. He led the league in steals with two and a half steals per game. And he averaged 4.6 assists. The only thing, I mean, if they really want to bring up efficiency, fine. He shot 42% from the floor overall. And he shot 32% from deep. But as I just kind of mentioned, as we kind of went down the roster a little bit, he had nobody. <laughs> yeah, no one. That man nobody. had no one. And they went to the finals and won one game against the Lakers. Yeah, that was insane to me. I never I, – I thought it was crazy how they actually stole a game. They went in there, they took won. game one. In L.A. too. It wasn't like it yeah. was at home. Like, it was in L.A. Just, unfortunately, that kind of woke up the sleeping giant and Shaq and Kobe kind of killed them from then on out. But, I mean, to, to call it the worst, like, you can make the case for Derrick Rose or Steve Nash as the worst. You know what I'm saying? Nah, Derrick Rose balled out that year. I, I would have still given 2011 to LeBron. Yeah, you could have, but, like, they were in that position where it's like, oh, we can't give LeBron MVP every year. Yeah, you you should have. Yeah, you need that. You know how it gets though, where it's like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah LeBron, you get voter fatigue. I get it. You get voter fatigue. Like LeBron, LeBron should have won a, a few other years than the four that he ha- has. But it's like they're like, you know, it's like, oh, we can't give him the award every year. You know, mm. he should have won. He should have won. Um. His a couple times his second stint with the Cavs, especially uh, well no twenty eighteen Harden Harden did his thing, but uh, yeah twenty eighteen you can't you can't take away <laughs> yeah. James Harden you no, can't, yeah. you can't do it I was gonna say twenty eighteen Harden Harden did his thing even though LeBron did too but Harden you, you can't really yeah Harden had the historic season then so yeah uh, it's it just it's really hard to kind of take away from yeah. Harden again yeah, kind of like we yeah. Just, everybody tried to take away James Harden's MVP. And then in 2017, you know, like like Ross had that ridiculous triple double year. So it right, was like, yeah. like all right, Ross, like like you win that one. And then 2015 and 16 was Curry's year, Curry's right. two two seasons. And then uh, last year, Giannis was 14, just absolutely incredible. 14 was KD. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and then 13, 12 was Braun. 11 was Rose, 10 and 09 was LeBron. Uh, you you honestly could have made a case for him this year. Like, okay, if the season oh, yeah, does no, this end, one, this Yeah, for sure. You're, you're, taking, you're giving it to LeBron. You, I mean, I think it's going to go to Giannis, but, like, LeBron should probably get it. I think I would give it to LeBron just, for the, just because uh, he came back last year and he had that injury, and now he's back this year where the Lakers are, like, first I in the mean, Western Conference. This year, LeBron has just – I mean, it's been ridiculous. And he's in his 18th year. I don't understand it. He's a freaking – No, like, this is 17th, I thought. 18th, isn't it? It is uh, 17th. It is 17th. You're right. But, like, e- either way, it's, it's insane, like, what he's doing. Yeah. Like, 17 years in the league, and he's still playing ridiculous. at an elite level. It's just absolutely incredible. Ridiculous. All right, Cam, you get the last word today, man. Man, hey, so, uh, yeah, Call of Duty, again, if oh anyone <laughs> wants to come on Warzone, I have not gotten a win <laughs> in, like, ages. I have three all-time wins. Hit me up, CF Sports 15, on your Activision accounts. I'm on PlayStation. Try to get a win on Warzone. Unbelievable. <laughs> Before we go, should I get Xbox One X or PS5? Yes or no? What, what, what do you mean, yes or no? Yeah, you got to get one of those. No, I'm saying like, which, oh, my bad, not yes or no. Which one should I get? <laughs> like, Xbox One X or PS5? <laughs> I'm like, wait, God, no, no. <laughs> okay, you should get. I'm. I've been Team PlayStation my whole life, so I would say PS5. I'm, I'm trying to decide because it's, it's just. It seems like all my friends are getting PS5s. So like. Oh okay. well, yeah, you gotta get the PS5. Damn, I've always been an Xbox guy, man. Well, and like I mean, Microsoft hey. for life, dude. Okay, well, I mean, hey, do you, man? Do you? I'm going to figure it out. All right, y'all. Tell, let me know, like, whenever you guys listen to this, should I get an Xbox One X or a PS5 at Christmas time? Hit me up. Let me know on Twitter at Kai underscore Carlin. Hit me up. So, for Cam Fields, I'm Kai Carlin. We will see you guys next time on the Bell Ringer.